Hello, everyone. I am Maria Palombini with the Global Business Strategic Intelligence Team at IEEE Standards Association, and I'm delighted today to bring you this podcast. We're going to be looking at an exciting new development in the world of blockchain for clinical trials. Today, we're going to be talking to the winner of the Blockchain for Clinical Trials Whiteboard Challenge, which was a, a program that we passed. Uh, all over the world, we have young engineers coming up with great ideas on how to use distributed ledger technology to address challenges that we see in the clinical trials process, anywhere from data integrity to patient recruitment or to any of the areas of the clinical trials protocol design where we can use BLTs to solve some of those challenges. So I'm delighted to be here today with Richard Brooks from Clemson University, who is one of the lead co-authors on Scribe, a blockchain ledger for clinical trials, and the winner of the first whiteboard challenge. Welcome, Richard. Oh, thank you, Maria. So, given that you're the winner, Richard, tell us a little bit about you and the work you're doing at Clemson, and what inspired you and the co-authors to develop this exciting white paper? Okay. Um, I'm a professor of electrical and computer engineering here at Clemson University in South Carolina. And the work that we presented is largely based on an NSF-sponsored project, uh, the CICI program, that's with um, Tony Shellam, who was at that time at Auburn University. Now he's at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and uh, our students, and my postdoc, uh, Lou Yu. The the work itself, how it started was there was uh, NSF had a solicitation and they were looking for um, they were looking for technologies that could be used to secure provenance metadata. Provenance is just information about where information came from, and that can be used to debug things and to um, provide audit trails and so on. And when we looked at that, uh, I was interested in exploring the, uh, I would say the cryptocurrency uh, innovations that were happening. And it seemed to me that they found a, that they had found a system for uh, securing the monetary transactions and no one, and there have been actually no, uh, no attacks that we know of, of yet that have broken the basic idea behind it. There have been some implementation flaws here and there. And so we looked at adapting that technology into this domain or into the domain of securing provenance metadata. At that time, we came up with uh, three use cases. One was looking at computer forensics information. One was securing security logs on computers. They're frequently changed uh, by hackers after they compromise the system. And the third one was academic integrity. When we saw the, uh, the workshop that you organized, and thank you for doing a good job with the workshop, the, we realized that the clinical trials information was actually very, very similar to what we'd been working on with the academic integrity, and then we collaborated with people at the Medical University of South Carolina who had um, the domain expertise in the clinical trials, 
and uh, took the work that we had been doing and we adapted it in there. And in particular, um, they had, excuse me if I get the numbers wrong, but I believe it's paragraph 11 of Article 21 of the FDA regulations for clinical trials mandates that if you're running a clinical trial, you have to have processes in place to safeguard the integrity of the information that you're collecting. And so what we did was we took our existing blockchain implementation and tools and then what we had been using for academic integrity, we then adapted it. And basically it would provide uh, an incorruptible audit trail for people that, that would look at the clinical trial information. Very interesting. Yes, uh, data integrity and data provenance mm -hmm. seems to be a big challenge in the clinical trial space and something that's very, very critical, obviously, to get through FDA approval. So mm -hmm. I think this might be a welcome breath of fresh air in managing that challenge. And, and, and one thing in the domain, that, and, and one thing that's interesting is then, in, uh, particularly with blockchains, the main innovation is to date, if you have like a database or whatever, the security of the data of the database is maintained by keeping it in a locked room with guards outside. In right. with with the with blockchain, the integrity is guaranteed by having multiple copies all over the place and then having cryptographic signatures from many different groups mixed together so that it's the distributed nature of the information that gives you the integrity so that individual copies can be attacked, but, but it's not really practical or be excessively expensive to try and attack the entire system. So in this paper, obviously, you know, we've seen quite a bit around, you know, blockchain for clinical trials and different areas of the health sector, but I found one unique feature in reading the paper um, called the lightweight mining algorithm. And mm -hmm. can you explain what that is and what's the intended benefit of it? Okay. The, um, I'd say that's possibly the one of the main innovations that, that we did in, in our work so far. And it's basically a, maybe a less is more approach. And the, the point is that there's the um, attack model or the vulnerabilities of the provenance data and of currencies are quite different. And so, say with Ethereum or with Bitcoin, there are a number of things that you have to do to safeguard the money supply. Uh, in particular, the, the mining algorithms that they have limit the number of transactions that can be processed and limit the number of available coins, which is really necessary for currency, right? Because if you have inflation, the coin becomes worth, become, is worth nothing. But in terms of data provenance, if somebody uses the system more, that does not, that, that in fact gives the system more worth for the other people because you've got more data mixed together with the others and it becomes more difficult to compromise it. So what we did was we got rid of 
Um, for example, with Bitcoin, you have proof of work, which is very computationally intensive, which is why you have these large mining collectives, and which is also the, which is also why making a Bitcoin transaction uh, is very exorbitant in terms of energy consumed. I, I believe the latest information I heard is that a, a, a new block on the blockchain takes as much energy as it takes to heat a house for a week. Uh, we don't need, you don't need that for this. So the lightweight mining basically throws out the, the parts of the system that you do not need for just guaranteeing security. So we, we don't have to find a, we don't have to go through the computation to find the right hash. What we have to do is have a system that does not allow collusion between the miners and does not allow you know, somebody to take over the system and control the inputs to the system. And, and we do that basically by a distributed auction and the auction is set up so that uh, if you have if you have one miner, if everybody else is corrupt except for this one miner, um, the system is still not corrupt. And we and we have a we were working on journal papers to get that out, but there's a, a doctoral dissertation that one of my students just did in December that has the the details for the proofs. Excellent. I know that that's one of the challenges that keeps coming up when we talk about blockchain is the amount of energy and mining power, regardless of the sector, that continues to be a, a question and concern in, in the process. So really mm -hmm. delighted to see this new novel way of, uh, of trying to address that, that particular mm -hmm. challenge. Thank you. When developing this framework, I imagine you and your team start to think about some of the potential challenges or changes in process that would be required from, you know, a clinical staff or a pharmaceutical staff if they were really to embrace the framework that you proposed here. What are some of the things that you guys were maybe uh, thinking about or trying to figure out as you were writing this paper? Okay. In, in terms of, and we are... Uh, pursuing with the Medical University of South Carolina a way of putting this in place and, and actually taking our existing prototype and moving it into a clinical setting. And we're looking mm -hmm. at trying to get a larger group together to have uh, a better working prototype. The way we, the way we foresee that we foresaw our system interacting with clinical trials is the the first point that we wanted to have was that the people running the trial are in control of their information that the people running the trial manage their information that they take care of HIPAA compliance that they do not expose anything about the information outside of their current systems. So we're assuming that they have all that management in place and we don't want to we don't want to impose a burden on them or anything along those lines and we also definitely don't want to handle any uh, private information involving 
involving the patients or anything. So they would have their existing processes. What they would do is when they have data that they want to put into the system, say something like um, the patient consent forms, they would, they would, we would give them software where they could create create a hash of the of the data for people that are not um, familiar with what a hash function is. It basically takes um, data of whatever format, and then using that as input, it computes. A, it computes what looks like a random number of a given length, and there's not an easy. There's a very easy way to go from the data to that number, but there's not a good way to go from that number back to the data. And then they use a cryptographic key to sign it, which will then guarantee that that number comes from them and that number would be registered in our system. Now this would mean that when it's registered in our system, we put that into the blockchain, and then this can be used to create an immutable uh, audit trail. So that if an auditor is looking at the system, they would then find these random numbers in the cryptographic signature, and in clear text, what it is, it would say something like, um, you know, in the example I had was the patient consent forms, patient consent forms in the signature and, and the hash number, and then whoever's doing the audit can then get, get the data from the people that are managing it and get the, our information from the blockchain, and then they can easily ver they can easily verify that the data that they're looking at is the data that was that was available at the time that it was entered into the blockchain and they also have the name of the person that did it and and this is essentially what what you would have with the type of system that you would have now for the FDA compliance that the, that the data is well managed and uh, however Again, it does not expose the individuals to any risk. And if the system is shared across a large number of institutions for any data manipulation to occur, essentially all of the institutions involved would have to create some sort of cabal or conspiracy to make that happen, which is impractical. For most of the things, so, so that's basically how the how the system would be integrated. You would have your existing processes. We would give you a tool to a tool to insert the the signed data into our system, and then later that can be used to verify that the data that's provided at a later date is in fact the data that the people registered originally. Excellent. So it's definitely addressing some of the key concerns, mm -hmm. um, you know, of privacy and security, which are all uh, critical funding, mental blunting, um, you know, building blocks within the clinical trials process, especially for obviously incentivizing the patient and keeping them engaged throughout the process. And, and what we, I mean, I would definitely say that what we're proposing does not answer 
all of the data management needs. It does take care of one critical aspect. I was very glad at the, I was very happy at the workshop with the presentations that were given, um, particularly the presentation from the professor from Hôpital Dieu, that um, there were a number of issues that he brought up that fit very well with what we had in our white, in our white paper. Excellent. Yes, I, I, I found the, so the, the event on February 12th, the Blockchain Clinical Trials Forum, did have a lot of commonality and threads amongst the speakers, which was good because it showed a little bit of consensus. And this is what was really exciting about all of the presentations, even all of the whiteboard submissions that we had. So very, very exciting to see that we're kind of all following on the same track, which makes it, it a little bit easier. <laughs> there, there, was, there was that, but then there was also... A lot of diversity, a lot of different ways of, of approaching uh, similar problems. There, it was very interesting to see many of the people that were looking of looking at ways of using the electronic contracts, which are also a very interesting technology in the space, which we are not currently uh, currently working on. But it, it's also something that's important. And I was also surprised because I was not really aware of the large number of uh, startups and small companies entering into this space. That was also very interesting for me to have that exposure. Yes. It's definitely been an area of interest, obviously, for a former blockchain initiative at the IEEE Standards Association, but mm -hmm. there are many, many inspiring young companies, uh, you know, professors from academia such as yourself, really pushing mm -hmm. the envelope and looking at ways to use technology to address a lot of these challenges. Mm -hmm. So before we go, uh, obviously, your work has been supported by grants by the National Science Foundation. And I know you mentioned that you're going to go potentially into pilot or implementation at the Medical University of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. But let me see here, what, what, ideally, what would you like to see eventually develop out of this, this framework? Like, if you had in an ideal scenario, I would love this to be here. And what exactly here would be in this scenario? I mean, of course, it's exciting when you see the academic work uh, actually being implemented and used in a in a specific domain. So right now we're again working at the next step of having a, a working prototype and integrating it into the data management systems at the Medical University of South Carolina. Uh, I've also been talking with uh, there's some larger initiatives within the state of South Carolina uh, looking at different, um, looking at security needs, say, within the transport sector or within the logistics sector, where this is uh, also, where similar technologies could be used. And we're looking at what we can do in, in that domain. Uh, my co-PI, uh, Tony Shellam, and I have also had some initial discussions about maybe commercializing our work and, and what we would need to do what we would need to do that I, I think for for me one of the major hindrances is um, I have a full-time job as a professor so there's only 
there are limits to what you can really do in a day. But but uh, that's that's where we're going right now is is different applications. Uh, we're also interested in incorporating uh, some type of um, some type of intelligent contract into the framework that that we have. Uh, possibly also making it uh, compatible with the tools that the IBM initiatives have been doing. And that's the direction that we're going at the moment. Sounds very exciting. Um, well, Richard, I want to first congratulate you for winning the Whiteboard Challenge, and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast this morning. Uh -huh. And I also want to thank everyone for listening. I invite all of you to please read and download Scribe, a Blockchain Ledger for Clinical Trials white paper. It's available on the blockchain.ic.org clinical trials forum-2018 event website. Uh -huh. And I'd also like to let you know that Richard will be presenting at the Europe edition of Blockchain for Clinical Trials Forum in November in Scotland. Um, he's actually going to definitely discuss, again, the entire entails of the white paper, and I hope you all join us. And if you're interested in participating in the Blockchain for Clinical Trials pre-standards activity workstream, definitely mm -hmm. come to our website and drop me a note. We'd love to have you be part of it. Okay. Thank you again, everyone. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much.